You're listening to Between Two Consultants, Logic 2020's original business and technology podcast. I'm Nick Kelly. And I'm Ethan Silvers. We're two consultants who talk to super smart people about the latest trends in technology and business. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Between Two Consultants. My name is Nicholas Kelly. And I'm Ethan Silvers. And today we're talking about the topic of how sales and marketing has evolved in the biopharma sector. And we're very fortunate to have Dan Yip with us today to talk about that. So Dan, could I ask you for a real quick intro? Sure, hi Nick and Ethan, thanks for thanks for having me today. Well, uh, my name is Dan Yip, thank you. Uh, I have been working exclusively in the pharma industry and sales and marketing for the entire 20 years of my career, um, started off at a large pharma company in a pharmaceutical sales position, um, then gradually got my foot in the door in marketing, and now uh, currently head up uh, sales and sales planning and marketing at a small pharma biopharmaceutical company based uh, outside of Pennsylvania um, called Magical Pharmaceuticals, uh, focused on liver disease. Awesome, Dan. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. And you know, you're talking about that that 25 years of experience you've had and um, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, what, what was it like at the start? What was like sales and marketing like at the, the inception of your career uh, 25 years ago? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. I, I think obviously okay. the industry's uh, changed and transformed a lot. Um, I think if I were to try to put a finger on it, I think it's probably two things that, that I'll generally talk about thematically. I think one is you know, in the you know late '90s, early 2000s, um, you know, most of the industry was was dominated by you know several large you know household name like pharmaceutical companies. Um, they were for the most part focused on pretty highly prevalent disorders like things like you know cholesterol or asthma or a lot of these kind of big therapeutic areas. Um, the general promotional plan, if you will. Um, you know, back during that period was to hire as many sales reps as you could um, and then basically put them in front of key prescribers, um, whether they're, you know, primary care, family practitioners, or even specialists, depending on the disease that you're operating in. Um, and you do a lot of, you know, direct to consumer uh, education. If you're fortunate enough to have a large budget and you have a big therapeutic area, you do it on television radio, things like that. I think the first sort of big shift that we've seen over the past two decades is um, a saturation of a lot of these markets, right? You have now, you know, multiple therapeutic options for, for treating, you know, asthma or um, any of those large, you know, conditions. Um, so you basically see a saturation of these markets and now the industry is sort of divert towards areas of, of critical unmet need, if you will. And a lot of those areas tend to be um, smaller, more niche specialized areas, um, either because there are so many therapies that are available, they are now relegated to, to treating them at need in very specialized populations. Or um, like in the case of rare diseases, there are a lot of um, you know, smaller market conditions that have a lot of morbidity, mortality associated with it. That have been sort of not been a focus of industry because they're not deemed to be terribly lucrative because of the size. So basically, over the past two decades, you've seen sort of a move away from 
a lot of these larger therapeutic markets that have been largely satisfied um, to much more niche indications, whether they're subpopulations of a, of a large therapeutic area or there are sort of these conditions where, um, you know, nobody was thrilled to invest a lot of money in it because there are maybe a few thousand patients as opposed to a few hundred thousand or millions. So I think that's one trend. I think the other trend is obviously um, <clears throat> with the rise of like, you know, digital and, and, and you know, access to information, I think consumers or, or patients have become much more empowered in treatment decision-making. So it used to be you did whatever your physician told you right? Because our society tends to uh, put physicians on a pedestal. And so what they say is the gospel, and that's the end of it. I think a lot of information, obviously, now, like any other industry is being democratized. So patients are now getting access to therapies um, that they ask for, that they research about themselves. So I think sales and marketing has also shifted to, you know, not just purely focus on the healthcare provider, but also, you know, understanding the other stakeholders involved. Um, and then a, th a third kind of smaller piece is also the rise of, of payers in the U.S. and the controls that um, a lot of these public and private, um, you know, payers have, have instituted in a sophisticated way to manage spending and determine sort of, uh, you know, when therapy should be used, which patients should be, should be used for. So I think a lot, it's gotten a lot more complicated in that there are a lot more people involved in the decision um, Dan, you might have been referring to this towards the uh, end of uh, what you were saying. Um, so, and, and because you were doing sales at GSK and then you were doing marketing at Genentech, you sort of saw a lot in terms of um, what it was like to be on the sales side and then through marketing also what it meant to do sales. And I know that a lot has changed with regulations and what has been allowed from when you started as just a wee pup at GSK, um, uh, or a wee lad, as Nick might say. Um, and uh, so like, wh what was it like then when you were in this like wild times of doing sales and, and where it is now? Yeah, I mean, I think you alluded to it, Ethan. Um, the, we, you know, the farm industry, I think behind maybe like aerospace and, and others are, is a very highly regulated industry, right? So. As much innovation as you see in a lot of different industries, I think the, the, the lens of innovation in pharma and biopharma is a little bit muted compared to that simply because obviously at the end of the day, you know, we aim to kind of deliver value to patients and, and you know, there has to be a, a rightful approach to do that. Um, I think what's really changed, though, is just the sophistication in, in how we go about generating appropriate demand for products, right? So at the end of the day, you know, I think most most of the American public assumes that, you know, if you have a disease and there is a drug that is used to treat that disease, that, you know, that drug is going to be used in the appropriate patients. Um, and, and I think there's a lot to, it's a lot more complicated than that. And I say that because I justify my own existence as a marketing <laughs> professional. But I think at the end of the day, so much of what we do in marketing and so much of what we do in sales is really appropriate education, right? Because at the end of the day, we don't make the treatment choice. Um, we just want to make basically publicly available information 
um, you know, manageable and understandable to, you know, patients and, and physicians, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, if you think about your average, you know, uh, let's not even talk specialists, let's talk your average, you know, primary care physician who you guys, I'm sure, see two or three times a year, right, to get your physicals. Um, you think about sort of the breadth of diseases this person has to understand and be able to recognize basically in a moment's notice and, and, you know, send you down the right diagnostic journey to make sure whatever you have is being managed appropriately. It's a lot to take into consideration. So, so really what, how I think how sales and marketing involved is, is how to figure out, you know, new innovative channels to get the right information to the right stakeholder at the right time and it sounds like a very generalized philosophy but um you know there's a lot of time we spend in combing through data and analytics to find the right insights to you know craft a certain message so it hits a a a reader on the other side of the screen or the other the other end of the conversation right so that they can you know do what they think is right for the patient so so much of that is just like you know contextualizing educating people on, on, you know, what is actually available everywhere. Awesome, Dan. I, I just want to pick up on something you, you talked about using data and analytics, and obviously it's a field that's going uh, that's going nowhere. Um, so we're just cautioning you on, on using data to make any kind of decisions. Um, <laughs> it's it's yeah. a bad, just like the internet. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. It's like Y2K. It's one of those. And, you know, it's just, we, we like to share what we're hearing. Uh, so just an, an FYI on that, Dan. The, you talked about, you know, the the change in the digital landscape. People going online, getting access to information, and you know that that evolution you were just talking about, how it's shifting. Would you see that as one of the? Is that one of the largest drivers, or is it the main driver of the? You know, that evolution of sales and marketing. Is it being driven by that access to information? Are there other things that are are also driving it? Yeah, it's a great question, and I think it's a, a pretty timely question because I think one of the big things that's a big trend and that's impacting what we do in the industry is obviously the, the reemergence from COVID, right? So, you know, for the past year, we've all been stuck indoors, um, you know, limited face-to-face -face interactions. That has a pretty big impact on the pharmaceutical business model where really we are mostly, you know, so much of our demand is generated through in-person interactions between reps and physicians. When you know, these physicians are being pulled into managing COVID and academic institutions and practices are shut down, people are furloughed, that interrupts the entire model. But what it's actually done is it's accelerated a trend that we've already saw before COVID, which is, you know, telemedicine, right, um, using, using different channels to access, um, you know, attention, right? Because essentially what, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get a physician who sees, you know, 20 patients a day to put their eyeballs on either your product or your disease state for a very limited amount of time. So information has now been kind of, you know, reduced to bite-sized pieces um, where timing and, and placement become kind of the, the most prominent thing to do. So, you know, even like in my, in my previous position, we were planning a launch like in July of last year, like in the peak of COVID, we were going to launch a theoretically blockbuster drug when every single one of our reps was sitting at home in their PJ, right? 
So how do you, so basically, how do you, how do you flip on a dime and all the playbooks that you use in launching drugs previously were no longer valid because now you basically have to do everything virtually. So I think COVID has sort of accelerated the trend where now, you know, like I think most organizations where, you know, like what they call non-personal promotion, which is sort of a, a synonym for digital, that used to be sort of an add-on to the to, to sales promotion, like in-person promotion. Now a lot of brands are that's sort of the fundamental piece of, of promotion and and you know reps are just as important. So I think I think it's really forced the industry to um, think about how they invest um, you know in, in promoting drugs appropriately. So let's talk about um, some of the pros and cons, Dan. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. you've, you've seen in your illustrious career, um, you have seen, uh, and feel free to riff on that, Nick, if you want, uh, Dan's <laughs> <laughs> um, you, You've seen a ton of change going from like, uh, you know, like more reps to now um, what you're calling non-personal promotion. It's how I live my life, non-personally. Um, and, you know, just like on any of the things that you brought up, it could be clinical trials, it could be doing more in-person sales versus not, um, any of the things that you brought up, the pros and cons of what you're seeing of how it was when you started, um, 20, 25 years ago to what it's like now. Yeah, I think, um, so I think let's maybe start with the pros. Um, so I think first is just, it's the natural sort of wave uh that we're all riding right i mean we spend a ton of time in front of our computer screens in front of our phones it has become a pretty dominant way in which we uh communicate and keep updated with each other Uh, and it's no different professionally so we're we're kind of meeting where people are already going right so from that sense um a pro is that you know you there are many established channels some that are specific to, to healthcare some that are not like you know facebook instagram like pandora all that kind of stuff there are established channels for you to tap into to get to your audience so that's a pro um i think it's also a pro in that um you have a better ability to measure roi um so you know we had talked a little bit about analytics um it's frankly very scary in terms of what uh, information you can buy on people. Uh, I'm not saying that in healthcare you can, but generally speaking, um, I think you know your digital footprint gives uh, you know advertisers generally a a lot of understanding of your preferences, how you like to get information, you know, digital impressions, as in how many times you've seen certain something. So it becomes a much more cost-effective way of of getting attention to your message. Um, and it becomes more, much more cost effective than, you know, hiring, you know, full-time employees to go, you know, um, promote your drug in many circumstances, right? Especially in the age of, you know, um, more and more uh, medical practices and academic institutions are shutting their doors to traditional sales reps. Um, you know, this becomes a much, uh, sometimes a much more preferred way to get your message out. So it can be more cost effective, you can see sort of the impact of what you invest. Um, Maybe moving over to the cons, I think um, a lot of times most of these channels are much more one directional, 
in the sense that like I'm creating a video uh, that you can watch anytime you want, so it's on demand, but it doesn't really give you a lot of opportunity to interact with your with your customer, uh, which obviously is a is a key piece and why I do think that there are always going to be sales professionals in our industry because um, sometimes it's not just the information, but the dialogue in terms of you know follow up questions. Um, you know, if a physician wants to ask if this patient might be appropriate for this drug, like that's a lot of the utility of what a, uh, a sales professional adds. So there's no, a lot of times, not a lot of back and forth. Um, there's still obviously some uh, people, physicians that are still resistant to change, right? Um, they don't get their CME credits online as much as others. They don't adopt technology uh, as quickly and readily as, as other people do. So there's always going to be that segment of the population that you're not necessarily going to have much impact on. So. Awesome. Dan, thanks for that. <clears throat> look, before we wrap sure. up, there is a uh, look, uh, as we know, the first episode of Between Two Consultants re recently left the Milky Way Galaxy. And, um, you know, a lot of people are concerned about the attention that's going to draw to to Earth from yeah. other civilizations. Yeah. Um, is there any kind of advice or approach you would take to, you know, how you would shift the sales and marketing approach for Biopharma in the future, in the advent of some more advanced civilizations uh, coming to Earth? Well, it's, it's a really good question. It is a really good question. I mean, by the way, that's that's sort of, the, that's what I always say when you ask a question. So, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, we should talk about Martians on our next podcast because I have some very strong thoughts about that, which might actually reverse all the expertise that you think you're getting right now. Mm -hmm. um, but look, I, I think, uh, you know, maybe to put a bow on it, I think, you know, sales and marketing continues to evolve. I think COVID, like I said, you know, continues to accelerate that change. Um, to be honest, like I, I do think that, um, you know, leveraging 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 digital and leveraging data analytics is going to be sort of something that is already happening now, but will continue to to really permeate in our industry. And so, when you think about you know, right now there isn't a ton of partnership, quite frankly, between healthcare delivery institutions and pharmaceutical companies, right? Because healthcare delivery institutions are focused on patient care. They just see pharma as like you're out there peddling your drugs. But I think when you see more partnerships uh, uh, evolve between those two where appropriate data can be shared back and forth, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to make, um, you know, delivering the right drug to the right patient much more efficient in the future. And maybe one day, God forbid, like somebody like me is going to be out of a job. Um, but hopefully, hopefully that's after I retire and after the residuals ran out on this on this podcast right here. Dan Yip, thank you so much for joining us. My name's Ethan Silvers. I'm Nicholas Kelly. Thanks for joining us on Between Two Consultants. Have a great time, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank Have you. a good one. Bye. You've been listening to Logic 2020's Between Two Consultants. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe so you can get each episode delivered directly to your favorite podcast app. To learn more, visit our website at logic2020.com. You can also find us, Nicholas Kelly and Ethan Silvers, on LinkedIn. So give us a follow. See you next time. <laughs>